Hey there all you DC Comics News fans, fans of comics, fans of lists of comics, you've arrived at the podcast you were looking for. This is the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 79. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. We look at five comics each and every week from DC Comics. We start with two, we take an ad break, and then we finish up with three, and really, all along the way, it's just a lot of fun. Kicking off the fun and keeping the spooky Halloween mood in the air, whether the holiday has come and gone for you or you're still celebrating for the next 12 months. Whatever your choice is, Batman Three Jokers, the third and final issue, is a, uh, well, certainly a way to keep the horrifying and unforgettable images that remind us of Halloween at your fingertips all year long. Jeff Johns writes the final chapter, Jason Fabok with the illustrations, Brad Anderson with the color art, and maybe soon appearing on the DC Comics News podcast. Keep your ears open for that one. Rob Lay on the letters, and yet another horrifying and beautiful cover, all brought to you by the combination of Jason Fabok and Brad Anderson. So where are we now in this twisted story? What we are is staring with the Bat family at a collection of images, trying to decipher just what it actually is that the Joker, all of them, are planning. Now one is missing, and it's been alluded to in the previous issue that the desire is to create a new one one who is more powerful than they, more effective, and only because they combine all of the right elements necessary to create a better Joker. There's a lot of tension for Jason Todd, for Barbara, whether it's between Jason and Bruce, Barbara trying to intercede, the leftover tension from a tender moment shared between Barbara and Jason earlier in the story that now feels heavy. And I love the way that at one point, Barbara not only addresses that, but the fact that Jason's actions to take the life of one of the Jokers, trust me, if you haven't been reading, this is a series you're going to really want to go back and check out. And the reasons behind his actions and how they affect the entire team and how it's not simply a matter of his being guilty, but whether bringing the crime to light puts so many others at risk. Now, down there you might hear my French Bulldog Bruno snumbering and snoring, but that doesn't mean this is one you should snore through and I'm gonna encourage you to pay attention to some really great connections to Bruce Wayne's past to the moment that created the Batman. And along the way, you'll get some really horrifying moments like, well, imagine theater ushers, more than one, a crowd, a swarm even, inside of a theater, the theater where Batman's parents were killed and where an ominous confession is taking place. And with that, a connection to so much more about who Batman is and what the Joker believes not only he needs, but is a part of this whole dance and story. It's timeless. And along the way, we have some great 
glimpses to the past and great moments to remind us of of why we love these characters, why they are so endearing, whether it's Barbara's take on the word smile, Jason's cheering her on as she fights on an onslaught of those jokerized ushers I was talking about, or whether it's the way that Batman doesn't have to take revenge. He can let things play out, or he can choose to take another road altogether. Now, who's left standing at the end? Well, that's an interesting mystery I'm going to allow you to uncover and experience for yourself. What I will say is, not only does this story offer up a great chapter to the legacy of Batman, but it answers a question about who the Joker is. And yet it does so without giving us the benefit of the details we might be seeking. And yet there is still the revelation of an identity and some powerful facts that go along with it. And then I also love that one of the things that Jeff Johns has done really well in his stories is to present moments that could happen may even feel like they will happen, and then offer up all the reasons why they don't. This one is a tried-and-true technique in writing. As I said, Bruno is down there snoring, but this story was compelling, kept me up, had me reading through it more than once, and has been the subject of discussion among so many here at DC Comics News. I'm going to encourage you to check out Batman Three Jokers number three, my first choice this week on episode number 79 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. However, for my second choice, we're not straying far from the Bat family. In fact, we're hopping right over into Batgirl number 50. The final issue, one that I really wish wouldn't come to an end, but if there's going to be an ending, let it be an ending like this. Beautiful stories in here. Three, actually. So if you're looking for the chance to pick up the final chapter in this run on Batgirl, I'm going to highly encourage, nay, not just encourage, compel you to pick up this book. The first story, Little Wonders by Cecil Castellucci, features pencils by Emanuela Lupacino and Wade Vaughn Graubeder, with Mick Gray, Scott Hanna on the inks, Jordi Belair on the colors, Becca Carey on the letters, with Josh Middleton providing the original cover, and a really fun Terry Dodson and Rachel Dodson variant cover. The first story, Little Wonders, points out to us so many of the things that, that can be processed and the feelings that can rise up following a funeral. The uh, Gordon family has suffered a tragic loss, and through it, tensions are high. There's a lovely moment in the diner where Barbara, without revealing her identity, unleashes a bit on her father by pointing out all of the ways that she has done things. And yet, because she has such a valuable political position, it's easy for her to make these statements and yet allow him to assume that she's talking about her work in public office and public service. But then what follows is this really amazing set of voiceover that provides a running dialogue and a narrative, a monologue, 
perhaps is better. But a dialogue with the reader if they're willing to to commit and be a part of that. But if not, it's still a valuable monologue. One that introduces a lot of really valuable perspectives on the part of Barbara regarding her community, the challenges that Gotham's facing, how, if you wanted to, you could expand them to a macro view of our country, if not our world, and how she so impressively continues to be a presence that isn't always welcome, is sometimes even met with derision or a despising response. And yet there she is offering herself saying, I'm here, I'm willing to talk, I want to listen. And through that, she realizes that she at some point needs to make things right with Jason Bard. But then there's also a feeling that she still needs to also continue speaking out and raising her voice where she knows it needs to be heard the most. This leads to a great interaction with the Bat family. The discovery on her part that both Dick and Tim receive a stipend. Now, Barbara chooses to take off her mask when confronting the others, the monologue continuing to remind the challenge of what it means to wear a mask and how that has altered ever since the clowns that support the Joker have begun wearing masks as well. There's a great exchange between Barbara and Bruce where he tries to deflect by pointing out he no longer has the money he did and she tries to make it clear to him that he had the money and he still has very wealthy friends and there's still a lot they can both do. She's just looking for his help and support. A few other valuable exchanges, both with uh, Richard Grayson as well as with Barbara's community and a very powerful moment of forgiveness and what it means to be humble, to admit when you're wrong. And then to not let that be the only thing that drives you forward, that it can be part of your passion, and that when you are able to make things right, you have a chance then to speak and be heard. Now this comes into great play later in the story. I'll let you discover how, because there's more stories to be had. Stay Centered, featuring again Cecil Castellucci on the writing with Marguerite Sauvage on the art, Becca Carey with the letters. A really interesting reminder of how often Batgirl appears in other stories and how she sees herself being viewed, especially when she is there to provide for others, is there to always be there for others. And yet when she recognizes a dangerous threat, one that's hinted at, in the previous story, and if you catch it, kudos to you. If not, go back and read through again. Look for the connections, especially when there's a very memorable punch. It's part of a montage, it's part of a collage. You might have missed it. If you did, that's okay. If you didn't, I'd love to hear your thoughts when you first saw it and then the discovery later. What happens next is part of the fun and the adventure, but it's a great twist and a recognition of how Barbara sees herself, how she feels others see her, and what parts of it she's right about when she decides to take things in her own hands. The final story, Game Night, by Cecil Castellucci, Aneke on the illustrations, Trish Mulvihill, sorry, I might have pronounced that incorrectly, it might be Mulvihill, on the uh, paint mastering, (laughs) 
Becca Carey with the calligraphy, and Game Night is a great reminder of how Batgirl is such a great and wonderful thinker, just a strategist all around. We see her take on the role of Oracle, which has been such a powerful part of her legacy and, and part of the stories that she's been telling. And she does so by reminding the team that they have an opportunity to always push themselves by doing things that are not based merely on their strengths, but by developing abilities that they can turn into strengths. It's a really awesome story. I think it's a, a perfect ending to this issue. If there has to be an ending to Batgirl, let it be this story, let it be this issue, let it be with the writing of Cecil Castellucci. I mean, really, two great five out of five books that I love sharing with you. I also want to point out, if you haven't had a chance to yet, it should be up now. It will be up for as long as we can keep it there. DC Comics News staff, we're blessed when Mr. Steve J. Ray was able to invite and host an episode with Cecil Castellucci. The, uh, the whole gang was there, whether it was Kelly Gaines or Brad Felicki. I believe Kendra Hale was on there too. And they had such a great set of conversations. And I believe there might have been one more co-host, but you'll have to listen to know for sure. From what I heard, there was only great things. I wasn't there, and it's one of those things you just have to accept when you miss out on. But the conversation is one you don't have to miss, and I won't be, since I get a chance to hear it on DC Comics News Podcast Network 2. So, more Castellucci? Check out the DC Comics News Podcast Network. More Spinner Rack? Coming back your way right after this quick ad break. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast, here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> no. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories 
a show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode, just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat him, nuts. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Welcome back, all you DC Comics News fans. Thanks for hanging out through that ad break for us. With us, you're back with me. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. And we're going right into my third choice for this week. I'm looking at The Last God. A great one-shot. Songs of Lost Children number one. Now, Philip Kennedy Johnson has done an amazing job creating this world, but what really blew me away was the reappearance of a great writer I've come to just admire and immensely respect, Mr. Dan Waters. He seduced me and stole my imagination with Lucifer, and while I'm really saddened that that series had to come to an end, I'm heartened and encouraged by the way he just so effort, effortlessly steps into steps into this beautiful story. Uh, Steve Beach's art, Dave Stewart's colors, Jared Blondo's cartography, uh, Tom Napolitano's letters, and a gorgeous cover by Kai Carpenter. Now, for those who have followed along and are familiar with the fellowship that has been part of the ongoing The Last God series, you have the last living god, Mol-Otep, who has overrun the world of Kainanun. And through it, the, the world that was is now shaken. Now, in the original series, in the main ongoing series, there are two stories being told. One in the far future, one in the far past, separated by 30 years. And it is 10 years after the end of the events from the past. 10 years from that point that this story takes place. So depending on how you look at it, either it's a glimpse ahead or a glimpse back. And from that, we learn of a mission that Tears Queen, Queen Scyanth, went on with her assistant, a place she travels to that up until the moment she is forced to spend the night there leads her to believe that all reports of concern that have been coming into the capital of the kingdom have actually been exaggerated. Her discovery in this new place not only confirms them, but also a dark secret about her husband, about his lust, 
and also about the creatures living outside of the kingdom who still feed off of those not protected by their proximity to the throne. It's a really beautiful story, one of heartache and loss. There's a gorgeous write-up from Mr. Tony Farina over in DC Comics News that was shared by Mr. Dan Waters on social media and both the recognition by the reviewer and the response by the writer, the kind of stuff you just love. This story is one of those dark, twisted, heartfelt and heart-wringing examples of how great comics can be. I, I loved reading it. I love the, the fact that I get to share it with you on here. And I love, in my mind, that this means that Dan Waters will still be telling great stories for DC Comics in the future. And hopefully for as many years as I can continue reading them. Because stories like this are ones I want to continue reading. I'm curious to hear your thoughts as well. An interesting glimpse into the universe of The Last God. If you've been enjoying it, you're going to love this new chapter. If you haven't checked it out before, I'm curious if you pick it up and what your thoughts are. Can't wait to hear them. Can't wait to talk more about them with you. This was a great 5 out of 5 pick, which means we still have two more to get to. And I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to tell you about my next one, Rise of the New God. This is another one of those one-shots coming out of the Dark Knight's death metal. It's, it's one of those that just makes me love when writers and artists get a chance to play in the current big overarching, overarching storyline and yet also get to do something so free and wondrous as this. James IV crafting this beautiful story. Jesus Marina with the pencils. Vicente... Cifuentes on the inks, Ulysses Ariola on the colors, Ian Bertram and Dave Stewart on the original cover with Cody Boss Logic Abdo on the variant cover. There's a lot going on in the Dark Knight's death metal, and this is just another wild chapter. It starts out with this great concept that Something as evil as the Dark Multiverse was never supposed to get as bad as it is, and yet it did. It was never supposed to rise to this point, like so many evils that seem to relentlessly continue, despite all the reasons that should initially stop them in their tracks. Stop me if this sounds at all like the world we're currently living in. However, through it is the understanding that the Batman who laughs has become something far more, and now he's standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with Perpetua, challenging her authority and simply letting her know he didn't like being second fiddle, he doesn't plan on doing it. But that's the backdrop for the arrival of a really great character, known as the Chronicler, one from the Omniverse, one that exists outside of us, who is so effortlessly protected from all of the things in our world that he walks among the most dangerous, horrifying characters, whether it's Joker, whether it's Psycho Pirate, whether it is so much more. All of those dangerous threats seem to fall away as he collects knowledge, his ability to gain and learn more an understanding about the world we live in and how it has been twisted and the secrets that he holds, which 
no mind from this current plane can understand. And finally, a conversation with a new god, one that reveals the power of this place, which has, to this moment, up to this point, not affected our chronicler. And yet, it does now. And what it means is, well, one of those great things that can only be imagined. It's belief, and it's such a great story, but it's just the first of two. The second, the weight of leadership, a really beautiful Green Lantern starting story. Where it ends, I'll let you discover. Brian Hill with the writing, Nick Varela on the art, Hi-Fi with the colors, and World Design with the letters. And man, there's something so great about a one-shot that offers up two awesome stories, a, a suggestion of the possible, and a glimpse at what could be and will be coming next. I highly encourage you to check this out, to let me know what you think, and then to uh, join me for the next time. I can't wait to feature stories like this, but that doesn't mean I'm done. There's still one final book on our list for this week. And just to remind us that there doesn't have to be one day out of the year like Halloween for spooky, dark, evil, twisted, bad things to happen. I give you The Scepter Dial, part one, written by Simon Spurrier. A gorgeous story with art by Aaron Campbell, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Aditya Bidikar, and a great cover, I mean a, a haunting cover, from John Paul Leone. The, uh, the cover alone speaks so much to the mood and the air that we're all breathing and the things in it and the way it seems to just permeate so much of our culture the concepts and the beliefs how powerful they are weren't we just talking about belief i'm pretty sure we were in this one belief becomes even more important in a story about a figure from john's past now suffering haunted hunted and some horrifying discoveries. Now, there's some great storytelling here with John still dealing with the actions from last issue. I highly encourage you to look back on previous episodes of The Spinner Rack for a little bit of glimpse of that. Otherwise, just pick up John Constantine Hellblazer number 10, because this time we're talking about 11, and it might help to know what happened then. His friends are working with him still, those who he knows as associates are still doing the things that they normally do but that doesn't mean they like it or want to deal with it now vestibulin the one who is in john's phone and operates it like his personal assistant reveals a voice message one in which a creature from john's past reveals how it suffered at john's hands and then became renewed if not even all-powerful but then discovered something haunting and horrifying, something so revolting, even it, a creature born and bred of fear, living on it, is sickened by. John listens to the message, and as he does, we follow him down into the dark and the depths. And there's a reason why this book is black label, and the final pages introduce 
horrible concept that takes belief and twists it in the darkest of ways and shows the sickness that can infect men, women, the powerful, and those who feel that they will serve whatever master gives them this sort of power. It's it's not pretty. It's not for the faint of heart. It is definitely for a more mature audience, but that doesn't make any lessening of its message. I, I would love to say more or that I could. I need to let you read this for yourself and simply say it's powerful and for its power. It, it's a great finish to this week, a, a dark sort of ominous book to wrap up an episode that is and around and still might be feeling the lingering effects of Halloween. It's been episode number 79. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. I want to thank you so much for coming on to this and listening with me, hearing me talk about these books, potentially checking them out yourself. I'll encourage you, if you want to hear about more lists like this, it's really quite straightforward. Whatever platform you're listening on, just find that subscribe button, give it a click, and from that point on, your feed will always feature the newest, the most recent, the most current episodes um, from the DC Comics News Podcast Network. That can be new episodes of The Spinner Rack, featuring yours truly. Great weekly episodes from the DC Comics News Podcast team talking about all the news out there for you, whether it's movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and so much more from DC Comics. The gang breaks it all down for you. That's Steve J. Ray, Brad Felicki, Kelly Gaines, Miss Kendra Hale, and every once in a while, a few guests. You can also catch great content like that same gang hanging out and getting a bit raunchy to talk about Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast, an episode-by-episode breakdown of that gorgeous new Harley Quinn show from DC Universe. And if you like episode-by-episode breakdowns, check out I Am the Night by Mr. Steve J. Ray, an episode-by-episode deep dive from our resident Dark Knight and guests and co-hosts. It's a wonderful, nostalgic trip down memory lane to an iconic period in Batman storytelling, one that continues to live on and be remembered by us all so fondly. I'm also going to encourage you to keep in mind that we have some really amazing guest interviews like the Cecil Castellucci one I just mentioned and more coming on the way. Could one of them be Brad Anderson? Could it? Hmm. I know I hinted at it. Will it actually pop up? The fun is subscribing and seeing what happens. Should you have any thoughts or questions for all of us here, the gang, and you'd like to send them our way, you can reach the whole group by finding us on whatever your favorite social media platform is and use the at symbol in DC Comics News. So that's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. When you do, the gang will get the message. And we'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, whether it's about the spinner rack, any of our other podcasts, comics that we love and like to talk about, or so much more. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can always find me out there on Twitter is one more singleton. Instagram is set the writer. My dogs Bruno and Fiji are much cuter, so if you choose to check them out and follow them, I totally understand. 
or just type my name, Seth Singleton, in the word story into a search engine. Let me know what you find, where you find it, and if you'd like to have a conversation along the way. Till next time, I've been your host, Seth Singleton. This has been the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 79. Can't wait to hang out with you next time. Oh, and of course, before we go, a quick reminder. Always read more comics. Bye now.